In other words, don't hack other people's computers. This episode is distributed under the Creative Commons license. Unorthodox Hacking, Episode 4, MSSQL. Welcome to Unorthodox Hacking. I'm Joe Polanczyk, a.k.a. Fats. Unorthodox means breaking with tradition. I hope to guide you on traditional and not-so-traditional hacks, along with various ways to mitigate those hacks. All demonstrations are for research and educational purposes only. In Episode 3, we demonstrated how to get a shell in an Oracle database. Keeping with the database exploitation theme, we will do the same against a Microsoft SQL Server. Besides the full-blown SQL package that you can buy from Microsoft, many developers have opted to distribute a lighter version called MSDE, or SQL Server Express, uh, for the latest version, with their applications. You can often find an MSD installation in many free and shareware applications on the internet, and even in corporate software such as the various antivirus products, and even uh, Microsoft Visio if you install the uh, uh, auto-discovery uh, add-ons. More often than not, you're not even aware that these databases were silently installed. Worse yet, they are often lagging far behind in patches, and in most cases, don't even have a password for the default super admin or SA account, uh, which we'll exploit later. While the slammer work of the slammer worm from about a year or so back uh, took out many of these installations, new ones constantly pop back up, uh, just waiting to be hacked. So the first thing we're going to do is try to find a SQL server. Uh, using trusty Nmap, we'll perform a scan uh, looking for port TCP 1433, which is the default uh, TCP IP port that MS SQL listens on. Uh, MS SQL can also run an UDP 1434, uh, and it's especially useful to query that port if you have like name pipe instances, which is out of the uh, scope of this uh, demonstration. So we're going to scan uh, a host for this port uh, using Nmap, and we see that it returns an open TCP uh, port 1433, MS SQL. So we found a possible target to try to hack against. Okay, next we actually have to establish a connection to the MS uh, SQL database. Uh, just for posterity, we'll be doing these uh, hacks from a Linux machine to a Windows machine just to show that you don't need the Microsoft clients to talk to SQL servers. Uh, so what we'll use is the TSQL command line utility uh, part of the free TDS suite from www.freetds.org. Uh, we'll pass it the IP address we want, the username, which is SA, which is a default super admin account in MSQL, and then the port number we want to connect to. Uh, when we're prompted for the password, uh, the very first thing to try is just press enter, like using a blank password. Uh, that's what we're doing in this case, and we got right in. Uh, therefore, this machine is basically ours now. MS SQL offers a uh, easy way to call out to the operating system. Uh, they have a module called XP underscore command shell. 
uh, which you can pass uh, like DOS and Windows commands to, and it will happily execute them, providing that the SQL Server is configured to do so, which by default most of them are. Uh, so in this case, we're going to run exec xp underscore command shell, and then just the dir command to uh, push a directory listing. As you see here, uh, it coughed up a directory listing of the Windows System32 directory. Uh, so we pretty much have a foothold into the system and we can do pretty much anything we want. Next, by using the XP command shell, uh, again, we'll do a who am I just to see who the SQL server is running as. And this output you see is running as the user system, uh, which if you re recall from episode one, system is an all-powerful uh, built-in account in Windows, which has oftentimes greater privileges than even the local administrator account. Well, at this point, we have full control over the system. We have the equivalent of a shell, however, we have to use uh, the SQL statements and XP command shell to run our commands. Uh, what we really want is to get full interactive uh, shell access. So what we'll do is we'll run another XP command shell uh, module or, or statement, and this time we'll uh, TFTP netcat down to the local system. So basically we just push the TFTP command with the appropriate parameters inside of the XP command shell uh, uh, module and it will happily run that for us. So you see here that it transferred a file down. Now we're going to actually run netcat so we can establish this two-way uh, uh, shell access into the system. So we once again just run netcat uh, with the appropriate parameters. We're going to have it listed on port 1234 and when a connection is established run command.exe and we go and we should have netcat listening on port 1234. Okay let's try to telnet from our Linux machine to uh, the port that we opened up uh, with that netcat listener on that Windows machine. Remember it was port 1234 and we have access. So here we can do a directory command and we see the contents on the Windows system directory. Uh, we can run a who am I and it shows again that we're running as system. Uh, so we'll exit out of here and just to show that we are running on Unix and this wasn't staged, we'll just do a uname command on our local system and you see that uh, we are in fact we're coming from a Linux machine to this Windows uh, server. So at this point in time we can upload rootkits, trojans, we can create accounts, we can disable the firewall, we can do pretty much anything we want to this system. It is owned in a big way. So one of the first things that you should do uh, is see if you have an MS SQL server listening. Uh, sometimes the server won't be started until your application actually launches. Uh, so you may want to run periodic uh, netstats or look in your uh, services uh, control panel and see if you have Microsoft SQL Server installed and set to a, like a manual state. Uh, also you can use the same TSQL or OSQL which is the Windows version uh, which uh, will gain you access to the co uh, command line uh, or console mode and you can do an exec SP configure which will dump out all the current settings uh, and how the system is, is actually configured to run. You see here there's the XP command shell module 
uh, zero means it is uh, uh, available, uh, one means it's not available. So what we'll do is we will run the XP SP configure command uh, and give it a value of zero to say don't allow this to be available to anyone and after you do so you'll you have to run the reconfigure statement to actually install this into the current running configuration for your SQL server so after we do that we will try to just ex execute another XP command shell uh, com statement we'll just do a print working directory and you see that we get an error stating that XP command shell is not available some other things you should do is definitely set a uh, very strong password for the SA account and all other users on your system or on your SQL server. Uh, also a lot of SQL installations use what's called mixed mode authentication that is it will use local database accounts that are defined locally in the SQL users table or it will use accounts uh, or Windows authentication and you have to put members uh, into a special group or in the administrators group uh, within your Windows user control panel before they can access the SQL server. Uh, a couple other things you can do is most often than not you don't need the SQL server exposed to the internet so simply uh, put some you know a firewall around it a local host based firewall. Also if you have like a corporate environment or you have availability to the uh, MS SQL manager or if you dig around the internet you can find little scripts you can you can uh, run which will actually disable the TCP IP listener and have it use just a name pipe instance on the local machine so you, you, won't, you don't even see a TCP 1433 port available however in most cases you will see UDP 1434 in which applications such as uh, uh, the slammer worm took advantage of this which could query that port and find the name pipe instances of the SQL server that was running and then just come in through name pipes. Uh, so you want to keep NetBIOS disabled or Aquila from the internet. You want to have MSQL disabled from the internet. Uh, just you ha do you have to be careful because if you if the application you're using uh, needs the SQL server and it has remote clients contacting it you may break that application if you change the SA password or you apply some access controls around uh, that port. So your best bet in, in, at that time is to contact the vendor, see if they have any patches available for it, which set a strong password. And there actually is a strong password policy you can set on the users. Uh, you can do things like that. Also, you might want to reconfigure the service and the services control panel for MSQL to not run a system but run it as a lesser privileged user account which means you would have to create a user account uh, and then go into the services uh, properties and change the logon method from uh, the, the Windows uh, system account to this named account that you've created. That would stop uh, attackers from uh, uploading, for example, if you get you created a user that has like guest access or no access whatsoever, they wouldn't be able to like upload netcat or uh, access some files or, or store files in various parts of the operating system. So there's no one way to to protect the SQL server. 
uh, you should do like a layered defense where you disable a listener or ACL it off, uh, use a strong password, go through the XP command shell uh, and turn that off. And there's a lot of other XP underscore type utilities which allow you to gain access to the registry and other Windows uh, functions that you should disable because just by disabling XP command shell prevents someone from getting a uh, running commands natively, however, they can still manipulate the registry, and there's still a handful of XP underscore commands which can allow them, an attacker, to still gain access to your system. So you probably want to look on the internet at, for the various XP underscore modules and go through one by one and disable them if you don't, if you know you don't need them, or even if you're unsure, to, uh, disable them. And if your application causes problems, then you can go and re-enable them one by one until you find out which one it is. I hope you enjoyed this episode. You can see more episodes at www.unorthodoxhacking.com. You can also email me at faz at unorthodoxhacking.com with any questions, comments, or any hacks you want to see in the future. Until next time, safe hacking.